This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Well, good morning, church. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest, and you're always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. And I say this every single Sunday, I believe you've come to the right place, because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, today is a very, very exciting Sunday, and exciting because we are going to close out our sermon series entitled The Monday Church. And first of all, before we even begin, I want to say thank you to everyone who has texted me or uh, shared a comment with me about how this series has been a blessing to you. And I've got to hear some of your stories as well as, uh, as how you've been trying to serve as a Monday church during the week. So, so thank you uh, for that. Oh, and I also got to say thank you to Skeeter for leading us in worship this morning. Thank you so much for doing the job that you're doing. And I am just floored by Danny. What a wonderful communion thought this morning. Thank you so much, young man. That's the, uh, the other preacher's son over there. So, uh, so thank you guys for, uh, for ser- uh, serving this morning. So as we, as we conclude this, this sermon uh, series, I told you that I got this material from this book that I'm reading by Jerry Cook uh, entitled The Monday Morning Church, where he says in order for a church to be effective, they've got to get out of the sanctuary and into the streets. And uh, I couldn't agree more with that premise and that idea. So to give you a review, if you hadn't been here with us for the past couple of Sundays, in part one, we talked about uh, the fact that in order to be a Monday church, we have to live incarnationally. And what that means is basically we have to dwell in the lives of of people. That's what Jesus did throughout his entire ministry. He left heaven, came down to earth, and dwelled with the people. And if we are going to be the church that God wants us to be, we have to dwell in the lives of people. Last Sunday, we talked about this idea of adaptability. In order to be a Monday church, we have to learn to adapt in a culture and in a world that is ever-changing. And today in part three, I kind of want to summarize the entire uh, sermon series with with asking three questions, three questions. And we're going to get to those three questions shortly. But before we start, I want to share this this really neat clip that I found online that will help set us up for what we're going to be talking about this morning. Alicia?
So I, like, I really like that last uh, statement uh, on the, uh, the video, together we can change lives. If you believe that this morning, say amen. Together we can change lives. Did you not know that everyone we encounter in the world today has a story? They have a story. They have something that they're working through, a testimony that they are writing. And unfortunately, we don't get to see everyone's story. We don't know everyone's story. And as I was looking at this video and this clip, it just dawned on me, how many people do I pass throughout the day that have some kind of story where they're struggling or having some kind of hardship, and I just, I just don't even recognize it. I don't see it. You know, and in order to be a Monday morning church, a Monday church, if you will, we have to make sure that we are constantly aware of the stories that people are telling in their lives. And there are a bunch, a bunch of stories. And I believe that the Monday church, in order to be an effective Monday church, we have to ask three questions and help us, uh, to help us uh, change the stories of, of people's lives. So if you're looking at your outline this morning, your sermon outline, these are the three questions that a Monday church asks when trying to change stories. One is, who are we? Who are you? Who are we as a church? Who are we as individuals? Who are we? Number two is this, what do we have? Or what do we have to offer and lastly is this, how do we live? And if we are going to be a Monday church, we constantly have to keep in mind and ask ourselves these questions. Who are we? What do we have? And how do we live? And I hope and pray that as a church here at Mission Viejo, we often ask ourselves these questions. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open up to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. And we've got the scriptures up on the screens, but if you have your Bibles, that's great. You guys read along with me uh, when it comes to this passage here. But before we even read this text, I want to set uh, the context of, of the writing of, of 1 Peter. First of all, who was Peter? If you guys have been in Bible class like I have growing up and you've read through the scriptures before, you know that Peter was a very interesting character in the Bible, wasn't he? First uh, Peter was written by this guy by the name of a, a, Apostle Peter, and we know about Apostle Peter in scripture. The apostle that denied Jesus three times, you remember in scripture, the presumptuous Peter that tried to walk on water to meet Jesus, the same Peter that took out a sword and was getting ready to hack someone's head off, this same Peter, oh presumptuous Peter, decided to write a letter. And as he wrote this letter, there were some things that he was writing to address, but the greatest thing throughout his writing here in First and Second Peter was this. He wrote a letter to show what our former lives in Christ look like in comparison to our new lives in Jesus Christ. He wrote to spell this out. He said, before Christ, we were this. We had this type of story. And many of you can identify with that. Before Christ, what did your life look like? What was it like? How did you live? But then you met Jesus Christ, and your entire life changed, and now you have a brand new story to tell. He wrote to the dispersed Jewish Christians that were persecuted and feeling spiritually defeated. And he wrote 
in chapter 2 and verse number 9, he says this. Remember this. You are a chosen people. Turn to your neighbor this morning and say, I am chosen. I am chosen. If you have a neighbor sitting next to you. (laughs) You are chosen. Did you know that? We are a chosen group of people. We, and he goes on to say, are a royal priesthood. You guys didn't know you were a priest this morning, did you? Didn't know you were a royal, did you? We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Church, this morning we have been chosen. Now, I don't know about you, growing up, I wasn't always the most popular kid. I know that's hard to believe, but just bear with me. I wasn't the most popular kid, right? And I wasn't the tallest kid, and I know that's a stretch as well. Uh, And one of the things that I wanted to do, and I told you this before when I was a child, is I wanted to be the next Michael Jordan, but that didn't turn out, okay? It didn't work out that way. But I used to go out to the basketball courts, and I wanted to play with the big kids, They were about 13, 14 years old, and I was about 9 or 10, and I always wanted to be picked to play on the team. But you know, if you're out there on the playground trying to get into a pickup basketball game, you have to be chosen. So I remember standing out there, and they would pick their players, and I would never get picked, and I would be so, so upset until one day I was out at the park, and I got chosen. And I felt so powerful and so equipped, and I got chosen uh, to be the referee. I didn't get chosen to play the basketball game. I got chosen to be the referee that day, and I said in my mind, that's a start. That's a start eventually, but I I say that to say this. When you are chosen, it's an empowering feeling. I remember when Mary said to me, Jason, I choose you to be my husband. I felt like I was on cloud nine. I still do to this day, right? There's something about being chosen that empowers you that makes you feel special. And I hope this morning, church, that you, real, that you realize you have, been, you have been chosen by God to do something powerful in the world, every one of us. And for us, we should say that is so empowering and that is so exciting. And what does he want us to do? Well, he wants us to declare his praises because we have been called out of darkness into light. He wants us to love others and to serve others. And even in this text, it's so powerful, and the Jewish people of the time period understands it. He called them a royal priesthood. What I love so much about our fellowship, the churches of Christ, that we get rid of the distinction between priesthood and laity. We're all priests. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. Well, what does that mean? That means you have a direct line to God. You don't have to go through anybody. That means I'm not more special than you, and you aren't more special than me. We're all in this together. And we are called to work to change the story in the lives of people. And it's an empowering and an exciting thing. We have been empowered. We have been called. And the question is, are we living that out? And that's really question number two as we move into it. What do we have? We know we've been chosen, but, but what do we have? Next slide, if you will. First Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10. It says here, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to do what? To serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. The scripture says here, use whatever gift you have to bless and to serve 
someone else. And as I begin to study this passage of Scripture, really the idea here is that we are stewards. And what does it mean to be a steward? Well, a steward is someone who has been entrusted with someone else's possessions. You see, the gifts, the talents, the abilities that we have, they don't belong to us. They have come from God, and He has given them to us for a season to use. And we are commanded to use the gifts that we are stewards of to, uh, to serve other people. We are commanded to use the grace, the, 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 the gift, the talent, whatever you want to call it, to serve other people. I've got to brag this morning, and I hope I don't get in trouble, Don. Okay, so you can tell me afterwards if I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. Don came by the, uh, the office this week with a whole bunch of uh, chocolate chip cookies, and they were delicious, by the way. Thank you for that. I think they were supposed to be for the Harvest Festival. I might have got in one or two, uh, but anyway, I had to, had to test them, make sure they were okay. But Don came by, and he said, Jason, I just have to brag on my wife for a moment. I said, oh, okay. He said, Jason, I just got to tell you, my wife, Lauren, she is so sweet. You know, after the, uh, the Harvest Festival and Halloween time, she has a lot of food left over and candy left over. She goes over to a, a battered women's shelter in Fullerton and hands out the candies and the food to some of the women there. And I'm just so proud of my wife. And I thought that was just a special, powerful power story. Lauren, you can beat me up afterwards if you're embarrassed. I apologize. But I just had to share that. I thought that was so special. Lauren is using her gift. And Don even used a gift by telling the story, right? We're here to change the stories of people's lives. And God has given us all gifts, and we're called to change stories. We are stewards of gifts. And you know what it means to be a steward. How many of you, I don't, shouldn't do this, but many of you rent homes, amen, like I do, right? And you know if you're in a rented property, you don't take care of it the same way as you do your own home. And what I mean by that is you take extra special care of a rented property, don't you? Because it doesn't belong to you, right? So the other day, my uh, garage door broke, right? And I had to make sure that uh, it wasn't my fault, and I had to call up the landlord to make sure. And I took great care because I'm in his house. It's his possession, so I take great care with it. And I want to make sure I leave it in a really good place when it's time for us to transition and buy our own home, right? But it doesn't belong to me, so I have to make sure I use it with the utmost care. Our gifts don't belong to us, and we should be using them as a way to bless the lives of other people. I like this next picture that I want to share with you, and I, I hope this is a quote that you'll remember today. If you don't remember anything I say this morning, remember this. Your talent is God's gift to you. Amen? What you do with it is your gift back to God. I just really love that idea or that concept. So this morning, we're all striving to be the Monday church. How are we using our gifts? To praise God, to bless God, to bless the lives of other people. Because what we do with it is our gift back to God. And we're all chosen, we're all priests, we're all believers here. And it's a powerful concept. Verse 11 in 1 Peter chapter 4 says this, If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Wow, that's a tough passage right there, isn't it? Everything that I say, everything that comes out of my mouth, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, 
he should do it with the strength God provides. Why? So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We use our gifts to give God the praise, and the Monday church praises God by using their gifts Monday through Saturday. It's not just confined to the service on Sunday morning. And I'll tell you what, I can't wait to hear more stories from our church about how you're serving during the week and what you're doing. Those have got to be celebrated. I believe this. I believe we have a church that is full of servants here. I truly, truly believe it. You guys are amazing servants, and you're doing, doing so, so much. And I just want to encourage you this morning by keeping up the good work and sharing the story. Last passage is Ephesians chapter 4 in verse number 32. We got one more after this, but this one is powerful. And I want to spend some time with this this morning. It says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, the letter to the church in Ephesus was a powerful letter in that the writer was talking about unity. He was talking about how do we get along and how do we serve? How do we be the body of Christ? What does that look like? So in this text, really, the author is speaking to a Christian audience. And in the church, he says this, talking to church people, in the church, we have to make sure that we're kind and compassionate to one another. And I know for a fact that the Mission Viejo Church of Christ strives really hard to make this happen. We have to be kind and compassionate to each other. I hope and pray that you can look at the neighbor sitting right next to you or behind you or in front of you and say with all your heart, I really love that person. And I'd do anything for them. If they ever had a need, I'm there. I hope and pray that we have that type of relationship with each other in the church. But sadly, a lot of times, I, I don't think those relationships exist. And I don't think they exist a lot of times because we are a Sunday morning-oriented church and we just don't know each other as well as we should. That's one side of it. And then the other side is that we have a problem with this next piece here, forgiving each other. I don't know what it is about families, but families can get into some knockdown, down drag-out arguments, can't they? And some of you, I'm watching you, some of y'all this morning were like, that's right, on the way to church. We had that little issue, right? There's something about families that when we get into spats, it's so hard. And the scripture tells us that the church is a family, and oftentimes when we get into conflict and we get into struggles and differences, we have a hard time forgiving. And that doesn't help with this idea of being kind and compassionate with each other. I love our Bible class on Wednesday night. Uh, for those of you that attended Wednesday night, we are looking at 2 Corinthians, and we started talking about the process of forgiveness and what it looks like. Did you not know that the church should be the most forgiving group of people in the entire world? Did you know that? We should be able to let things go and move on and say, sorry, forgive you. But sometimes the church is the exact opposite. We just don't forgive as we should. And we talked about the process of forgiveness and what's involved with it. You know, the real definition of forgiveness is to cease to feel resentment. That's a hard one, isn't it? Right? Because you can say, I forgive you and still be mad, still be upset. But if we're going to be the Monday church, we have to make sure that we are kind and compassionate to everyone here and love each other deeply. And this morning, I want to say to you that I love you. I do. 
And I hope that we can say that to each other. I love you. We really do. And we forgive one another no matter what happens. If we want to be a Monday church, we have to make sure that we do this just as Christ, as in Christ, God forgave you. And if we can get this idea down of being kind and compassionate to each other and forgiving each other, we can really make an impact culturally. I don't know about you guys. Have you ever been to a grumpy church before? Oh, <laughs> not just me, huh? You ever been to a church where you walk in and you're like, these people are grumpy. I don't know what's going on here, right? Right? It makes you not want to go back. But if you go to a church where everyone's friendly and they embrace you when you walk in, you go, wow, there's something special here. Even if there's only two or three people in the building, right? If they love on you and you feel the love, it's powerful. But nobody wants to be around a grumpy group of people. None. My wife tells me that all the time, Jason, you're grumpy, I don't want to be around you. Nobody wants to be around a grumpy group of people, and that's why I love our church so much. We are an energetic, lively group of people here. We love each other, and when people come into the doors, I hope that they feel that infectious spirit because that's how we learn to be a Monday church. You see, in order to be a Monday church, it starts with home. We've got to make sure we're loving each other here and forgiving each other and working hard for one another to serve one another. And if we do that, then we'll be able to do this next passage, Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Then and only then can we do this. It says here, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Hmm. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. I see some strategy there. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Always full of grace. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. In order to be the Monday church, we've got to make sure that we're kind and compassionate and forgiving and loving with each other so that we can carry it out to the world so when we have outsiders in our midst or in our presence, we can extend grace every single time. But that's hard to do because sometimes we judge people that aren't like us. And I'd be the first to say that I, I'm a major culprit of that. I could talk about anything and everything about the fact that how people are different than me or what they're doing is wrong or how I'm right and how they don't understand and how they need to do this and that. The scripture says we've got to be full of grace and be strategic in our conversations with outsiders. And when it says outsiders here, it's talking about people outside of the church that are non-Christians. We love on them. We encourage them. We interact with them with grace, seasoned with salt. And I really like that principle. Seasoned with salt. But it's hard not to judge. It's hard not to get discouraged with the way things are going culturally now. But in order to be a Monday church, we've got to make sure that we keep these principles in mind. So as I conclude this morning, that's about it. Really, really short sermon. But as I conclude this morning, I just want to encourage you to keep up the good work. God has called us to be a Monday church, a Monday through Saturday church. And I believe that we can do that here if we really, really genuinely love each other. And I think in order to facilitate that love, it does take building relationships with each other here 
within the church. And that's why I love our connect groups so much. I had a great time uh, spending time with the Buckners uh, yesterday at the, uh, what was it, the pumpkin patch at Tanaka Farms. We just got to know each other. It was so powerful. So I would encourage you to continue to do that through connect groups, through relationships, hang out with each other, love each other. And then if we do that, and if we get that down, then we can really do this. And I guarantee you our church will be bursting at the seams with people who want to come and see what we got going on here because we really love and encourage one another here. By way of invitation, if there is someone here who's not been living in a way that is congruent with this Monday church idea, this invitation is for you. We want you to come forward because all of us are guilty. We get busy in life, don't we? We get busy. And the only time we have is really Sunday morning, right? So we want to come and we want to fellowship and we want to, you know, spend time with each other. And then we go back to our regular lives and we just, we, we lose focus of what we're called and who we are. So this invitation is for you. If there's someone here who hasn't been living as a, as a Monday church, we want you to come forward and the church will pray with you and encourage you. Maybe there's someone here this morning that is not a Christian. We want you to become a Christian today. Jaime, I'm so excited for you, brother. So encouraged that you decided to give your life to Christ through baptism. I hope many more people will, will take that step. And maybe there's someone here that's not a Christian. We invite you to become a Christian today. We'll baptize you in water. You can be added to this wonderful church, and your life will be forever changed. Your story will be changed, and you'll be on a mission of helping others change their story as well. So I hope and pray that if there is someone here with a need, you'll come forward together while we stand and sing the song of invitation. Oh God, you are my God, and 